So it's uh, August 1st, uh, 2018. John and Joy will be sharing this evening. What's your title, John? Unknowingly Known. Unknowingly Known. The scripture I wanted to share about them, remembering all the way back to the beginning, is kind of neat. This is Psalm 65 and verse 3. When we were overwhelmed by sins. Anybody ever been overwhelmed by sin? You looked around you and you were drowning in something that you created. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. I want to testify as their pastor from the beginning. I remember when they were overwhelmed in sin. I remember when the Lord set them completely free and I have watched him fill their house with good things, things that come straight from the temple of God. And that is so exciting. That is what we're about. We're life changing ministries. And I find no better example in this church than John and Joy. Good evening. Can y'all hear me? Okay, awesome. Um, well, our message tonight is unknowingly known. Uh, about two weeks ago, we were having dinner with the Stevens, and at the end of dinner, they're like, John and Joy, can you speak on a Wednesday and share your testimony? Of course, being me, the um, very outgoing person, I'm like, yes. Joy's like, you need to talk to me first. <laughs> but um, so... Can everybody turn to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9? So this scripture is the basis for our message tonight and for our entire walk. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our entire walk has been unknown to us. Um, From the time we we were born, um, can you turn to Psalm 139, 13 through 16? For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And as, as we were praying about what to speak about and, and our testimony, we realized that throughout our entire walk, we didn't know what the next steps were. But from Psalm 139, God knew what the steps were. And it was up to us to find the path that he, has, that he laid before us. Amen. So from the very beginning, 
I was an underdog. I was born two months um, premature, weighing less than three pounds, with no chance of living. Um, stayed in an incubator for about six months, and uh, miraculously uh, survived. Um, my family sold everything that they had to be able to pay for the treatment to keep me alive. As soon as I got out of the incubator, we hopped on a fishing boat. Um, yes, I was fresh off the boat. <laughs> and, and was on the way to Hong Kong. And was hundreds of people on a fishing boat. Many people died. A lot of people got sick. Um, but our family made it through. Um, I don't remember much from Hong Kong. I don't remember much from the be- first part of my life. But as I, I was growing up, I, I had a good family. My family raised me well. Um, but I didn't walk it out well. Um, as I was growing up, um, I didn't know Christ um, at all. Um, my, fa- my mom was Catholic, and my dad was Buddhist. So as you can probably imagine, religion in our house was almost non-existent. Yeah. Or it was only the special holidays or the funerals or, you know, much like most of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and somehow God was still looking out for me. Uh, saw a lot of things that kids shouldn't have, shouldn't have seen. And when I got to middle school, I got involved with gangs and drugs and finally got expelled from public school. And that led me, my parents to send me to a Christian private school, um, which surprisingly I got worse in private school. Um, got heavier into drugs because that's, that's where the money was. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, my senior year, I got expelled because I was in jail. And um, and then when I finally got out, a lot of crazy stuff was going on with the with the gang that I was involved in, and I had to run away and I joined the army. And um, Surprisingly, all, all of these things that are supposed to make me better didn't make me better. Because when I went to the Army, I ended up being stationed at Fort Hood, which is close to Austin and close to Houston, so I didn't get away from my friends. So I was still getting involved in the same things over and over. Um, and then got out of the Army and went to California. Um, and I couch surfed for a few years and just trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, but I was single. I didn't have any responsibilities. I was just enjoying life. Um, just like so many men my, my age. But was it really any good? All those things that I thought were good or fun, um, was it good? Joy and I totally lived different lives at that time. And she'll tell you about hers. So unlike John, um, I lived a very sheltered life. I grew up in a traditional home with uh, Asian parents and three older brothers. So I wasn't a thug or in gangs, but with three older brothers, I can pretty much hold my own and I can throw down. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I've since retired that life, so you can talk to John about that stuff. So 
I was raised uh, in a deeply rooted Buddhist background. Um, I remember as a child, I would ask my dad about uh, the statues in our home, the hanging pictures, those carved, uh, carved figurines that were there. And I would watch him pray and bow down to, uh, to his idols. Um, and I, I would always wonder, why, why do you set these trays of deliciousness in front of these things that are not even alive? But I, I get all the, all the scraps and all the healthy stuff. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I know now, I know today that uh, those things are lifeless and worthless statues made of bronze and wood. Before I moved to Texas, my parents gave me um, some talismans um, and pictures of idols for protection and blessing. It was traditional because uh, I was moving out of their household. I was moving away from them into uh, the unknown. And I remember distinctly my conversation with Eric, our first conversation about idolatry, and um, because I had a lot of questions. because I, at that time, I had given my, not at that time, I'm sorry, recounting this time with my conversation with Eric, I had given my life over to the Lord fully. And, um, you know, what, what do we usually do after we give our lives to Jesus? We read the word. We search it out. We see what the Lord has for us in our lives. And naturally, I read the Bible, and in a and in it, I found uh, God's first commandment. If you would turn with me to Exodus 20, verse 3. Amen. And of course, let me know when you're there. 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 Closer. There. My sound booth peeps are giving me cues. I love it. <laughs> and in Exodus 20, verse 3. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. How can I contest that? This is what the word clearly says. There's no going around it. So how do I reconcile this? I love my parents my entire life. You know, they raised me to respect and revere them. And I was actually afraid of the consequences of what this, this um, getting rid of these idols would do to me. And so the fear of this lowercase g of a god um, was, and what uh, it would do to me if I dared to get rid of it. Uh, and so I sought the word out some more. And so I recall God's first commandment. And continued to search out the word and found in Jeremiah ten three through 5. And I'll read it to you. For the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with the hammer and nails so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. This is the one that hit home for me. It says, do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. They are worthless. And so that same day, I returned the idols to their rightful home, the refuse bin. I put it in the trash. That's right. Amen. 
And so to this day, I, I pray for my dad and my brothers that they'll find that these are worthless idols. Um, I, on the other hand, hold fast to what Jonah says in Jonah 2, verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Dad and brothers, if you're listening right now, you're forfeiting the grace that could be yours. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, to God. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. I truly believe this because it's my experience. And... I don't believe that anyone can fight me on it because I've I've experienced it. Um, Before my mom passed away, we got to spend some precious time with her a few days. And she had grown up Buddhist all her life. Uh, She didn't know any better. Um, But I had, once I was born again, I had talked to her about Jesus every chance that I could, every opportunity. We had a language barrier because she could only speak Laotian. And so my broken Laotian to her... Um, I tried to share with her the gospel with what Jesus was doing in our lives, the physical things that he was doing that she could see, um, that she could relate to. Uh, Before she passed away, John and I got a chance to share with her the the true heart of the gospel, to forsake everything that you've known all your life, the the idolatry and the, um, the idols, and to give your life fully and um, completely to Jesus. Even though she had those few hours left, we talked to her. We prayed for her. The days that we had, we did that every single day. Uh, there were nurses that would come in. Um, you know, they would check on her. We would, John and I, be praying over her. We would be speaking in tongues and praying worship music or playing worship music, even when my brothers and my dad were there. I'm sure they were very uncomfortable, or they tried to ignore us. Um, But we had talked to my mom, and I truly believe in my heart. I know in my heart that she accepted the Lord the day before she passed away. Amen. And that we'll see her again because salvation comes only from the Lord. So anyone who wants to go toe-to-toe with me, even though I've left that life of of, uh, violence, I suppose... Uh, on the topic, you can invite yourselves to our home. I'll cook you a fantastic meal, and we'll open the word together. So who believes that they're a new creation in Christ? We used to not look this way, especially me. Can you show them picture number one? We're skinnier than. <laughs> so, with this picture and this microphone, K-pop probably. <laughs> but as you can see, we aren't the people that we used to be. Um, nowhere even close. And when we meet people, they can't even imagine it. Why? Because Christ has changed us. Not only on the outside, but spiritually and our our innermost being, that all we reflect now is Christ. So in the beginning years of our marriage, 
It was hard. Because uh, we weren't saved yet. Um, and coming from my family's background, we're very, my family's very business oriented, you know, business, degrees, and so everything's about money. And at that time, when we first got married, um, I was working at Costco, um, and I was a realtor. And so I was trying to show people a false success and building up credit card debt. And we bought a house that was way too much more than what we could afford, way too much more. And, and so we worked all the time. We didn't really have time to spend with each other. And when we did, all we wanted to do was sleep. Um, everything that the world was telling us that we needed to do was a lie. And, and we ended up losing everything. So let me ask you, what dream are you chasing after? What are you chasing after that is crushing you inside because you're not achieving it, right? And is that dream that you're chasing after, is that what the Lord has told you to chase after? And what we've learned is the blessing is chasing after what the Lord wants. And the blessing for us is not knowing what the next day holds. And for us, the blessing was in the unknown. So we didn't have to plan for anything, right? Granted, there are some things that you have to plan for. You have to pay the bills, but guess what? If you don't have the money to pay the bill, pray. <laughs> and there will be times where it's the last minute and something comes through and, and it works out. And there's sometimes where... The Lord wants you to suffer the consequences of your actions. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We've had everything and we've lost everything. And we've set in our hearts that no matter what happens, we're willing to give it up if the Lord tells us to. And whether it's our careers or our homes and even our children. And we'll get more into that later on. So in 2016, August of 2016, so almost um, 12 years ago. And what's funny is I got into the apartment industry at that time. And as I was looking back, I think the last time I've, I spoke was a few years ago. And the last 
two or three times have been on the first. So I guess the Lord is, has set forth for me to work in the apartment industry and to speak on the first so I can remind everybody that the rent is due. Second <laughs> <laughs> Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And this scripture isn't about us. It's about a couple that introduced us to the church. Um, in 2016, we had no clue what a CARES team was. 2006. Yes, 2006, we had no clue what a CARES team was and found out that it was a Christian organization um, that hosted events for the apartment community. And with, with growing up in the Catholic Church and going to a Christian private school, um, religion was kind of shoved down my throat. And in 2007, we needed a new CARES team. And so that's where we're introduced to Nick and Lindy Slaughter um, out of the Rising Church. And so they came in the first day that that they started. Uh, Lindy came in first. And I knew who they were. And my spirit just told them, I know you guys are Christians don't preach to me. And they didn't. They're like, okay, okay, we won't. And, and that was the first time that somebody actually stepped back and was like, okay. A lot of the times when, when I've said that to people, um, it pushes, it, they start pushing even more. Like, what's wrong with you? You need this. And, and at that time in our lives, it needed to be gradually introduced to us. So Nick and Lindy started doing CARES around January or February of 2007. And when they started, I think once I told them that, they were on a mission to get Joy and I to come to church. But it, was, it wasn't ever a straightforward invitation to church. And it was, hey, why don't y'all come over for dinner? We're going to have some friends over. Um, we're going to play some Settlers of Catan. And it, it, it was, that, that was their evangelism to us for several months. Um, and we got the opportunity to watch how they lived their lives. Amen. And watch how they dealt with their challenges because they were transparent. Um, they didn't hide anything, and they were willing to, to let us know the challenges that were going on in their lives. And, and as all this is going on, I'm also watching my coworkers because my coworkers started coming to church. 
And they started doing well for a while. And, and then there was a crawfish boil. It was crawfish season. And y'all all know how much Joy and I love crawfish. Yeah, we even compete every year to see who can have the best crawfish tray. Yeah, we have pictures. So we went, and everybody seemed so down to earth, and it wasn't what we expected. And you can ask Pastor Eric's stories of what happened there. I don't remember, but that's part of his story. (laughs) But I do remember... Not specifically what happened to John, but I remember spending that night hearing testimonies of everyone, uh, from everyone, and how they came to fall in love with the Lord. Uh, you know, wherever John was, drinking whatever he was drinking, I was sitting with Pastor Eric listening to a testimony about how Jesus had changed his life and how drastic uh, he, uh, it was and how he had called out to the Lord at at the time where he needed God the most, and God answered him. And throughout all of this, we didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into in my career. You know, it was was just a job at the time. And I didn't know that that would lead to me meeting the right people. And that they would introduce us to this body. And that we're still standing here 11 years later. So, again, everything was unknown to us. Um, even though we were still not in the, in the kingdom yet, the Lord was blessing um, our steps. And we didn't have... I was exposed a little bit to Christianity, but it wasn't where I had to fight doctrines and teachings and all that. It was just, hey, that's cool. And so September 15th, 2007, um, the message was on Krav Maga. Uh, That was, Joy and I were on the verge of divorce um, because like most most divorces is either infidelity or finances and is finances. And, but we still wanted to have some fun. So Nick and Lindy, it was the last, it just happened to be the last day that Splashtown was open. And they're like, hey, let's go to Splashtown. And we're like, okay. They're like, but we have to go to church first. Why don't y'all come to church and we'll go, we'll go together? And, and reluctantly, uh, we said yes. And so that very first day, uh, we drive up. And, and granted, we don't know about home churches. We don't know how churches started. I'm used to the big Catholic churches with the stained glass. And Joy never stepped foot in church before. And, and so we drive up, and it's a house. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Joy, tell you what, what was going through her mind. Okay, so we drive up to the house. I was already reluctant, and you'll have to forgive me because of my bad behavior. I drive up to the house, and I said, John, where is this church, and why are we here? Um, And he said, I didn't tell you. This church is inside a house, 
inside the garage. And I said, are these people a cult? (laughs) And so I say that because, yes, we are. Go back and listen to our message, and you'll understand. And so we, we went inside, and I'll never forget that day. The message was Krav Maga. And it's a, I remember that message clearly. Uh, Eric Krav Maga is, is the Hebrew for um, combat, um, contact combat, I'm sorry. It's an Israeli uh, military hand-to-hand uh, combat system. It emphasizes um, the threat neutralization in real-life context. And it's always while you're up against multiple opponents. If you would turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 wanted to show you a principle of the style of fighting that is always moving, always, um, always fighting an opponent. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because this is... God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Little did we know that this was going to be how we lived the rest of our lives uh, for the kingdom in a continuously fighting motion, uh, fighting for uh, our marriage, fighting for our John's job, fighting for our children, fighting for every single aspect of our lives. Um. Because we know that in Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the the joy of the Lord is your strength. A lot of people misquote this one, and it's for a good reason. Because when I read it, I replace that your with me. And so for me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And in in that worship service, I experienced something that I've, I've... Uh, never experienced before. It was God's calling, and it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I didn't know what it was in the beginning. I didn't know because it was my first time in a church uh, church setting. How could how could anything talk to me in a first time experience? But God can. God does that. He's God. He will do whatever He wants when He wants with your life, uh, however He wants. And so I didn't tell John about that um, experience. I was reluctant to because I didn't understand what it was. But I, I now know that I felt the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that feeling. And uh, I'm just, you know, it's that special feeling that you know. It's different uh, for everybody. Your experiences are different. And this is my experience. So I felt the heaviness that was also uh, light. I felt like I was floating on my toes because all the worries of a divorce, all the worries of finances, and all the worries of losing a home, not knowing where you're going, those things were lifted off of me. But I felt his presence take hold of me and grab me and hug me. Amen. Because John 6.44 tells us no one can come to the Father, or no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The Lord drew me that day. And I tell you what, that was an awesome experience that I'll never forget. And how many times do we brush off what God is trying to tell us through the Holy Spirit? You know, I've, I've 
been guilty of doing that. And um, to reminisce on our testimony today, um, I'm convicted. And so everyone had seen us come to church uh, at least three services. So according to LCM standards, you're family. And so we were family, and we began um, officially coming to services. And um, in Oct- by October of 2009, I believe, our lives, John and I's lives, were so totally changed. 2007. 2007. I'm sorry. I'm the only Asian in the world who is not good with math, I guess. <laughs> so in two- October of 2007, John and I, our lives had changed so much that we wanted to be baptized. What, what for, you say? If you would turn with me to Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. We didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen once we gave our lives to the Lord fully. We didn't know where he was going to take us or what he was going to do. It was part of the unknown. And so we were new creations. A new way was open to us to have a relationship with Christ Jesus, not just knowing someone, having a relationship with them, having a relationship with Christ. He called me, and I drew near to him with full assurance of faith, my trust in God. And it goes on to say, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. This outward sign of washing my old self and leaving it in the grave, that watery grave, it was a sign to everybody. It was an outward sign to everyone that my life has changed. I don't want that old self. I don't want that old person. It's dead. I'm sorry. And uh, it's a big deal to me because this is what the, the word says to do. It speaks about uh, being baptized not only in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, sorry. It speaks about being baptized not only in water but with the Holy Spirit because it is both and. And so with that experience, I, we got baptized my husband's motioning me. So, going back a little bit, before um, we got baptized, before we got to this point, so right after we started coming, coming to LCM, who here has been recently born again? So, less than six months, right? Are y'all going through some stuff right now? Uh, we did too. So right after we started coming to LCM, um, so as m- many of you guys know, I'm a big, I was very big into paintball. So I had lots of paintball gear, and, and it was right after um, our first LCM paintball trip. And... At that time, we, we decided to leave our, leave our home. 
So we went from a 2,500 square foot home to an 850 square foot townhouse, um, which was killed our pride a little bit. But you know, it it wasn't what God wanted for us, and and so and it was in a rough part of town. It was off of Beechnut and Bellway Eight, um, Bisson Eight and Bellway Eight. Y'all know how rough that area is. So that night, it was a Saturday night. And I, I was too tired. I left all my gear in the car and went to bed. Next morning, Sunday, we're ready to go to church, come out, and the car is gone. And we only had one vehicle at the time. And the old me would have said some words that I shouldn't have said. Um, and... But that didn't come out of my mouth. It, the things that we were talking about when, when, that, when that happened was, okay, how are we going to get to church? And, and so we called the, towing, the Houston towing line, and they're like, oh, your car got towed because um, the police called it in. They thought it was stolen because the windows were broken and it was parked on the street. And we were blessed to, um, for somebody to be able to give us the funds to get the car out or else we wouldn't have been able to get it out. And we were invited to, let's go to, let's go to lunch or breakfast. Um, then we're like, no, we're, we're not going to make an excuse. We're going to go to church. And broken window and all, we, we showed up at church and, um, that was one of the best services. That was when Joy and I made the commitment. Because before, we were just showing up. We didn't, my coworkers were asking, are you going to keep coming? Like, I don't know yet. Because <laughs> we didn't want to commit. Because um, be, before that time, our longest commitment was to each other. Um, we didn't commit to jobs or anything like that. And... So I just want to encourage you guys, whether you just got born again or if you've been in the faith for decades, the trials are still going to be there. You're still going to have to fight through these challenges because you have to remember that these challenges is what's building your character. Amen. And, and, your, and the perseverance is building your character and with your character is building hope. And the hope isn't for you. And, and it took us going through all those trials and finally meeting people and telling people and being transparent and, and letting strangers know what we're going through. Um, Joy's very private. I like to talk. <laughs> and as, we're, as I'm telling people, because I'm working in the apartment industry, and, and the Lord has blessed me with the gift of being able to connect with people. And going through everything that I've gone through my entire life, is, it's helped me with that. And again, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know why I was going through all those trials. But God knew that he was preparing me to be a witness and, and preparing a testimony in my life to be able to connect with people. And, and as... And so I want to encourage you, don't let these trials bog you down. 
and be transparent with your child. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever challenges that you're facing, especially if you're new to the faith, you have brothers and sisters, elders, pastors, that their doors are always open. And, and don't assume people don't know what you're going through, because that's what I assumed at the beginning. But I'm talking to a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of them have been through similar situations. Um, and, and if they haven't, the word defines what you need to do anyway. Right? It, it, it doesn't have to be, people don't have to understand your situation. Right? You just have to understand what the standard, standard of God is yeah. and what he's called you to. And so as we were preparing um, and trying to find pictures, I actually came across our baptism video. And so I wanted to share that with you guys. Like this because he's too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to tell everybody here, despite what you think about John's choices, I see in him faith and courage. He's not stopped telling everybody about this new change in his life. He's invited his family members and he's spoken even when it's hard. I'll stand with people like this because he stands with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, brother, this new life's already begun. But this step that you're taking now shows the whole world that Jesus comes first. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we baptize. Yeah! Praise God. Mighty God. They would all glory in what they see happening in this life. So this is your child, and you're displayed in the back. Amen. 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 Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Her mother knew what she was doing. Well, I guess she'd have a, a chance to have a couple names in life. But biblical characters get that sometimes. They start off with one name and end up with another. And they chose wisely when they chose Joy. She makes us all happy just to be around her. One of my favorite things about Joy, she was honest with me the first time she met. She said, I'm not sure about any of this stuff, but I like the people. (laughs) Same thing happened to me, sweetheart. I wasn't sure about any of uh, this stuff, but I like the people. And I believed that what was happening in them was real. So why don't you grab, like, get on your knees. We'll lay you back, and then, uh, there you go. You hold my hand. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> never forget it. That's what happens with baptism. <laughs> Wait, tell everybody first. Do you love Jesus? I sure do. <laughs> I will. Amen. We're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's no joke. It was cold. It was in the middle of, like, fall. Yeah, don't let their clothes fool you because it was cold. Yeah, 
And for all those pro-heated baptismal uh, people, I'd just like to point out that you're missing out on all the fun. Because the one time people remember their baptism is if they get dunked in chilly water. (laughs) Yes. And so in Hebrews, the verse goes on to say in uh, verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In that video, I could see, as I was watching it in the background, all the people that we knew who are not here. Every single one of the people in the background that you could see uh, no longer are with us in the fellowship. Um, and that's that's a hard thing to to stomach. It's our family, and uh, it it it's an awful tearing that you know we had to experience. Um, and let's be honest, it's one of the things that I have to persevere in doing. Um, and those who don't know me too well, um, I'm a huge introvert. Pushing into fellowship is what Jesus works in me daily. Like, you have no idea. I'm, I'm shaking in my uh, slippers right now. Um, but I'm, I'm pushing and I'm persevering because the word tells me that I have to do that. I have to be in fellowship. And what's more important is that I have to be in the habit of doing it. Uh, if you, if you want to get a habit, get a habit of fellowshipping because that's what we do here. And uh, this is what the word says to do. Um, and I, I also wanted to encourage uh, those out there who feel uh, isolated at times. Uh, you may hear, just like I did, uh, the, the lies of the enemy telling you, oh, no one has called you. Um, no one thinks that uh, you're worth spending time with. You haven't heard from anyone. Um, and then enter your excuse here. I just wanted to encourage you that those are are not true at all. Um, and, uh, you know, Proverbs twenty four seventeen tells us, as iron sharpens iron. I'm sorry, twenty seven seventeen, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When we continue to be in fellowship, whether we're corrected by our, our peers or our, our pastors and pastors' wives, they are sharpening us and they're doing it because they love us. So give credit to them because I love them and will throw down if you don't. So we've been in the body almost 11 years and we've seen people come in and out. And there's only been a handful that have actually been asked to leave. And for, for the most part, people leave because of offenses or they've been called somewhere else. Lay everything. If you guys have any offenses, lay it on the table. You know, don't don't let it um, dwell inside of you to the point where you want to leave, because you were called here for a reason, right? And and we visited many churches, and I can tell you this is something special. And and unless you're called to go out into the mission field. Or the Lord truly calls you somewhere else, why would you leave? 
right? Because you, all, most of the time, you're going to go into a mediocre um, fellowship that will not challenge you, and you'll become complacent, and that's going to kill your walk. Complacency in no matter what aspect of life, whether it's your career, your spiritual life, uh, your physical life, um, that will kill you. And we can't ever let ourselves become complacent. We hope that in the next 10 years, the only reason why people leave is because they're going on the mission field. I just wanted to add, too, that I was intimidated in the beginning, being new to uh, the church. Um, I felt like everyone had pre-established relationships. Um, And this is just uh, honestly coming from my heart. Um, They had common interests, or everybody had inside jokes. They were funny, but I didn't understand them. Um, And those were untrue, and they were unfounded. And so what John and I do, and I believe that we do best, is to press in. We we pressed in even more um, because we knew that it was our responsibility. Because Matthew 11, 12, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 tells us, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been uh, forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. We know that this, this fellowship, this body of believers, its leaders are forceful men and women who force their way into the kingdom because we don't stay stationary. Um, there's, no, there's no point in staying stationary. You sit on a stationary bike and you don't do anything, you won't gain anything. And so um, one of the things that I had a hard time with was getting in touch with the ladies. Um, and it was because not out of lack of effort from everybody else. It was a lack of effort on my part. Um, I, I needed to uh, reach out. I needed to uh, call someone to be like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, and as a woman, it's hard because you're so caught up in doing uh, your everyday daily life that you forget that there are other women who are doing the exact same thing who need to be in fellowship with you as well as you needing to be in fellowship with them. And so I pressed in. I called, and I, I asked to be a part of everything. We still do to this day. So we come up to you on Sunday, and we ask, what you doing for lunch? Can we come? That's, that's where our heart is, because we love y'all. So as a man, we're, we're called to be the protector and the provider. And... Can y'all turn to Isaiah 42, 6 through 7? I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. 
that was what the Lord was revealing to us at that time. That this is our calling upon our lives. Is, and to be honest, that's the calling on all of our lives. Um, is to show people what freedom is. Right? And, and to let people know that there's hope. And, and that no matter what you've been through, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But that light comes at a cost. And that cost is you in your entire life. So as we were um, going through this process and working and just kind of jump, when I got into the apartment industry, I was still, there was still a lot of the old me still, still working, working it. So um, we left. I, I, there was a better opportunity to go work in oil and gas. And so we left. So I left um, the industry and pursued that because I wanted to be the provider for, for my family. And I wanted to be able to be the breadwinner. Um, John's still a breadwinner in my book. But I bake, the, I bake the real bread now because I'm his wife and I do that. Uh, we received a lot of backlash when uh, like I quit my job and when, when John was uh, going from job to job. Uh, our families didn't understand why we were doing it. They had uh, a preconceived notion that um, you know, you're supposed to have this good life, a good job, and uh, at, the, at this point, John was in the uh, oil and gas industry. He had moved to a different place. And so, fast forward a little bit. So it was 2009, beginning of 2009, Joy um, quit her job. And so we're down to one income. And um, at that time, we're, we, had a, we had roommates living with us, so we were okay. And, and then... Fast forward a few months after that, and everything crashed in the oil industry. It was 2009, May 2009, and got laid off. And um, I think Cody was working with me at that time. And it was hard. That was the first time I actually got laid off. And it was at a time where we were trying to be faithful, and, and honestly, the first thing that came to mind was, why, Lord? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything that, that you're asking, but why? And the Lord reminded me, didn't you give your life to me? Didn't you say that you trusted me? And, and we got peace after that. Amen. And... There were still some struggles, of course, um, and the Lord led me back to the apartment industry. But right before that happened, um, we were doing okay because I was living off of unemployment, and I was trying to figure out what the next steps were. And I got a phone call saying, hey, we need a leasing person to come back. Um, are you interested? 
And at that time, our roommates told us, hey, we're moving back to our home. And we weren't going to be able to afford the rental house anymore. And the Lord worked it out, perfect timing, where we had a week to get back into the apartment industry and have a place to live. And I don't think anybody in this church has moved more times than the Danes have. Um, I think it's been about 15 times in the last 11 years. Uh, Most of it were in the first five years. (laughs) And so Romans 5, 3 to 5, says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has given us. And that's truly when we realize that our actions as we're going through these trials, um, because before the trials were decent, but now getting laid off, hey, my family's on the line. Right? My, how am I going to provide? Lord, you told me that to go down to one income, what am I going to do? Um, but he provided. And again, we didn't know what we were going to do, so the blessing was in the unknown. Amen. So during this time, for me, it was our promises and struggles uh, season. Um, And one of the big struggles was uh, a year after we were married, uh, we started um, desiring to have a family, to have kids. Um, And it was a difficult season for both of us in our lives, uh, for more myself than John, because if I can just be frank, month after month, um, after praying and trying and hoping, um, the results was that there was no life in my womb. And so... As, uh, you know, as any woman who's been praying for, uh, for so long, for us it was a total of seven years that we had done this and that those around us who love us prayed for us. Uh, even strangers who came into the church who didn't know us prayed for us. Um, and all these prayers that were lifted to the Lord, it wasn't that he didn't hear it. It was because he had a reason, he had a purpose. So whatever you're waiting on and you haven't received, just know that the Lord's timing is perfect. Um, and uh, he's, he hasn't forgotten you. Um, and one of the things that was crossing my mind was that, Lord, have you forgotten me? Uh, there were people around me that were uh, people. I mean, women around me that were having children. Uh, that their families were growing and that um, we were seeing that and being a part of it. But in the midst of it, we, we didn't have our promises fulfilled. Um, and that, that broke my heart. Um, and so I questioned, was there something physically wrong with me? Was there something physically wrong with my husband? Um, you know, 
And the answer to that question was that resounding 1 Thessalonians 5.16 scripture that talks about being joyful always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Whether we see our promises fulfilled today, tomorrow, the next year, or whenever God decides, we still do this no matter what. And, you know, I would think to myself, Joy, seriously, what's your problem? Your name is Joy. How can you not be joyful always? You're reminded constantly about it. And, um, you know, to be joyful always, to continue to pray for my family, but also the families that are having new babies as well. Um, Giving thanks in all circumstances, um, Even though God hadn't fulfilled my promise yet, the circumstances that most people could be upset about, that's something, let's be honest, that we do get upset about, that God hasn't fulfilled our promises, so we become um, obstinate. We don't want to hear his word. We don't want to take correction. We don't want to be prayed for at the altar. Uh, We don't want to do any of that stuff. And I say we, but I'm saying me. These were the things that happened to me. Um, I had closed my heart to the idea because I had waited so long, and that was wrong, and that was that was that was sin. Knowing the good that I should do, um, being joyful always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, I wasn't doing. And um, you know, I obviously missed the point in that scripture um, uh, because I knew that it was God's will for me, but I wasn't doing it. And when John and I started focusing our prayers outwardly uh, towards others, praying for others who were having children, praying for others to have children, Nick and Sam, I love you guys. I'm calling you out because we love you, and we are a family, and we are warring in the heavens for y'all. We are warring in the heavens for every single one of you, Wendy and Cody. We're warring in the heavens for the women who are currently pregnant, the ones who are going to give birth. This is something that's near and dear to me, and I'm, I'm warring for all of those things. Amen. Um, because I want to see it fulfilled, because y'all are my family. Um, and... And I just wanted to encourage you with my favorite scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith in the NIV 1984 version, because it's been embedded in me. <laughs> um, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Usually I stop at that point. Um, I I. Only in my reading Bible study time, I venture out into other scriptures, and you should do the same because it's life-giving. And this scripture goes on to say, this is what the ancients were commended for. And by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Verse 3 says that. So that when, or so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. We did not see Sarah faith coming. We didn't see what God was doing. But by faith in God's promises years later, uh, God made what was unseen to be someone who we can see, we can hug. We can ask to stop talking to us. We can ask to, to, to do all these things and to love. Because God loves us. How could he not um, have his promises come to pass? And so it continues on in verse 4 that by faith Abraham offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith he was commended as a righteous man when God 
uh, spoke well of his offering, and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And this is the part that I love so much. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So as we were going through this process, God was showing us, just work. Just do what's been laid before you. And don't quit. Whether it was a a horrible job or trying to have a baby. It it, it gets, so Joy was battling with those things and I was battling with guilt. Because when I was younger, um, I had an abortion. And so I was battling with the guilt of, is God punishing us now for the sins that I did in the past? And, and the Lord's like, no, I'm, I've made you this promise. And so if God's made any promises to any of you, it will come to pass. Amen. You have to trust it. it. It might not come in your timing, but it will come to pass. Zechariah 13.9. So as during this time, God was showing us to trust in the refinement. And, that, and he told me that he would raise me up to be a leader amongst men. And so Zechariah 13.9. This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is our God. As you're going, as, as metal, as gold and silver is being refined, they're thrown into the fire. They're thrown into a furnace. Are you willing to let yourself get thrown into the furnace? Are you willing to let yourself be melted down and, and remolded? By the Almighty. And, and if you're not, why not? Because gold and silver is precious. And it's, and it's precious throughout the whole word. And, and it's saying that you need to be refined so God can mold you into something precious. That, that he can hold up as a treasure. And that treasure is your testimony, is your faith. Um, that you that he can show the world, hey, this is my new creation that has come through that I've refined and changed every aspect of their molecules so that now they reflect me. Amen. So we were blessed last night with a time with timely words about memorial stones. And victories being won by many advisors. We are looking to do just that, to leave a legacy for our children so they can look forward to a city with foundations built by God. We take no opportunity to look back at anything we've left behind. Amen. In 
So we had talked to Eric and Jen about our situation. And the next best thing, so in, in 2010, we were going through another rough patch um, with work. And we were talking to Eric and Jen. And so 2010, they invited us to move in with them. Uh, we were only intending on living there for about two weeks. It turned into four years. Um, and, and for us, that was, that was big. We've lived with people, and but it's, it was more, you know, we had, we basically moved from a house into a garage. So we knew that the Holy Spirit was there because that was the old church. Um, so it was dubbed Joy's Cave. There was no windows. It was dark. It was the perfect place to sleep. <laughs> um, I, but, called, I called it the studio. But it was the best four years of our lives. That was where God showed us um, how to truly live out our lives. Um, to actually see our pastors um, carry out everything that they've proclaimed and that they've, they're doing everything and there is no falsehood to it. We had to earnestly seek the Lord. Um, so in 2014 was when um, we parted ways. Um, some stuff happened with the house, and we, we had to part ways. And so we ended up moving all the way to Humble and commuting, I don't know, five times a week to Sugarland. Um, but we still didn't want to miss any meetings. Um, and we were in jail ministry at that time. So getting up at 2 to make it to the church by... Four, um, which was rough, but that was just, that was that was a uh, that was probably the best time times of our lives oh, yeah. um, because from that time was when we found out about Sarah. So we 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 moved to Umble, like John said, uh, and he worked on site, um, and unknowingly what Jesus had planned for our lives, we were obedient. And um, like John said, a few months later, we found out that uh, we were pregnant. Um, I was pregnant, and John was part of it, of course. I just uh, it, it just sounds really weird to me to say that. We. Sarah. And I'll, I'll never forget the morning that we went, uh, we shared it with Eric and Jen in the office. We... Uh, being the jokesters that we are, we uh, pretended that we didn't know what the uh, uh, test results were. So I handed it to Jen, and I was like, Jen, can you read this for me? I don't quite understand what it says. And so Jen looks at it because Jen, Jen knows. Jen, you know. And so she looks at it, and she's, she's looking at me, and then she looks at it, and then tears just start filling her eyes as well as Eric. And, and you know, when people cry, you cry too. Even though you're, you're, you know, not for crying. But we all cried. 
but <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my personality coming out. We all cried because we were joyful. We were happy that our continuous prayers were finally fulfilled. Um, it was coming to pass. Um, and I remember the day that we shared it with the church, too. It was like heaven broke open. And, um, you know, the angels were singing. But uh, it was, it, we were elated. I remember the, the Piros, uh, they were so excited for us because they had been praying alongside of us, you know, from the get-go. Um, and they had shared their testimony with us. And so get to know your pastors, y'all. They are amazing. They have stories. Um, and so everyone we shared our promise with and struggles, we celebrated with. Um, and I wanted to end my part with uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Not to leave Esther out, but we have two children. So, yes. God's promises are good, and even then some. Amen. In 1 Peter, verse 3, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, we greatly rejoice that Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, that these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, he's revealed to us through the promises that he's given us. You know, when we praise him, we give him the glory and the honor. How awesome it is to wake up and see God's promises laying next to me. Amen. 2 Corinthians one twenty. For no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. So again, whatever God has promised you, whatever he has told you, whatever he's commanded you, it will come to pass. And whatever he has told you to do, do it. Though you might not understand why he's telling you to do these things, there's a blessing that's coming. So our mezuzah statement was to serve and support the body of Christ and the visions of his leaders, bringing encouragement and edification through fellowship. And that comes from um, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are so blessed to be a part of this body. If you guys haven't had the opportunity to 
sit down with the elders, the pastors, or anybody else in here. Do so. Be intentional about your fellowship. Um, Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. We, we stand here as a family today. First, because of Christ. And second, because we've imitated our leader's faith. And we thank you guys. I love these guys so much, don't you? I want to tell you a couple of things that you may not know quickly. John is really good at Dance Dance Revolution. Like he's a match for Larissa, wherever Larissa is. You, you, you should know that. Second, Joy will karate chop you right in the throat. She looks sweet. I've watched her do it to John many times. It's been, brought great joy to me. It entertained me for years. She hid in the laundry room, and when he walked by, bam, right in the Adam's apple. It was awesome. The singular best testimony I've ever heard in my life. I mean, by far, it's not even close. If you think you have a good testimony, single best I've ever heard was Joy's very first time behind a microphone in this church. She said, I was Buddhist all of my life, and he never did crap for me. Since I fell in love with Jesus, everything's been wonderful. I thought, that's really awesome. I looked over at my mother-in-law and she was like, and I said, it's all right. The best marriage counseling testimony I've ever seen. They drove from across town, showed up, they're mad, clenched fist, upset. Said, would you read to me Corinthians 13? When the God to love keeps no record of wrongs, they're finch, unclissed, they unclenched, they kissed each other, got back in the car and drove home. There was no counseling session. They didn't know it was in the Word yet. When they saw that it was in the Word, that was it. But the reason that I asked them to share and had no idea what they were going to share is I think they're an example of faithfulness over time, which is what the Lord is showing us as a church. I don't want to concentrate on the negatives of people that were in those pictures and are not, but they were faithful for a moment. These guys have been faithful over time. John's job uh, in five-year increments has gotten much better. But can I tell you, those are long five years when, when they're not going well. The uh, reproductive situation got better, but seven years is a long time when you count them by months or weeks or days. And their faithfulness over time has left their house full of God's blessings. So what I want to emphasize to you is that this is what Christianity looks like. It's, it's not about an exuberant speaker on a stage or some image that you're trying to live up to. It's real people that are faithful over time. And as a last note, you have no idea how, how effective they've been in advancing the gospel. Nick Slaughter, who introduced them to the church, they helped him to become a pastor. Uh, they introduced us to Ezekiel Lamb, who is a pastor in on the East Coast. You, you never know what God will do through the ordinary events of your life if you are faithful over time.
there's there's two things we need to do now. Number one, sound booth, we want to put picture 1A on the screen. This is important that you not go home without this. I did not want you to think that John alone had to wear our new headset. It's a requirement for every speaker. And uh, the second is Matthew 419. If we could put that on the screen, I simply want to point to it as we begin uh, to pray and worship together. When Jesus issued the radical call of the gospel, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, go join a church. He didn't say, find some set of doctrines to ascend to. He expects you to stop what you were doing and actually, step by step, follow him. I've watched them do that since they were two scared kids, fighting every financial battle you can fight. And you know what? They did it courageously. Uh, next, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. What a terrible translation. If you read that in the 1984 NIV, it says, I will make you fishers of men. Make. When you follow Jesus, he makes you into something. Do you want to be made into something? You. It's not a cookie cutter. He doesn't drop a giant press from the sky and force Doughboy into a cookie. Instead, what he does is he applies pressures of life, allows you to persevere, and he forms into you his character, say it with me, over time. So faithfulness over time is the key to a testimony. I, I, I want you to get that. Some of you are blazing torches, and I'm proud of you. But when you witness at work, it's like shining a Q-beam in someone's eyes. Uh, Nobody comes to Christ that way. These guys learn to share their lives with people. They learn to do that. There is a moment for a dramatic confrontation with Jesus. Bring people here. I'll do that. You love them. Love them right into place. The point is, we want more of these. Don't you? Don't you want more like these? It happens as faithfulness through time. If you are praying for a child, you can have your child. If you're praying for a husband, you can have that husband. It takes faithfulness over time. Do you know what doesn't work very well? Faithfulness for a moment and grumbling for a year. That doesn't work very well. There is a couple in Romania right now that has the first baby blankets that Joy ever knitted in faith that she would have a child. Do you know what the couple in Romania is standing in faith for? Their child. Faith is displayed over years, not moments or hours. Years. And when we stand fast for years, you always win. And you'll never know how close you came to succeeding if you Judas out. And nobody in the kingdom is very honest about that. They all say that they're chasing some other thing that God's told them. God's not a schizophrenic. If he made you a promise, he's going to deliver on that promise. If you made a commitment, keep your vow even when it hurts and watch what God does with that. Could we stand to our feet? I know that in today's setting, whenever our clock ticks a certain place, we assume God is done with us and it's time to go watch Netflix. That's not how this church was built, and that's not how real Christians are built. All of Christianity is dependent upon you laying your preferences aside. 
in taking up the Lord's preferences. Tonight, is there an area where you need to show better faithfulness over time? Did you hear as they expressed their fears and concerns that the Lord had to deal with them about? Did you hear your own words coming out of their mouth? Have you stood in this body and said it's hard to connect and that's everybody else's fault? I can't imagine there being a better environment to be made into what Jesus calls you to be than this one. There may be others as good, but I I doubt seriously there's very many that are better. What if we weren't upset about the circumstances around us, what we were really broken over was the circumstances inside of us? And what if we decided tonight to forsake every one of those things and let Jesus make us into what he's called us to be? Well, that's how you end up with not one baby, but two. That's how you end up with a marriage that God has blessed. That's how you end up effective evangelist in the most unconventional ways. That's how you end up walking in your calling and enjoying life. Is life better now than when you were a paintball king? Yeah. I still have bruises on me from the number of times John shot me in not nice places. We're going to take a minute. We're just going to worship. I get it. We've got kids in the back. You may need to just go. I I understand. What we're not going to do is exalt a schedule above what God is doing, though. I kind of needed to hear this. I needed to remember that they come in drunks at crawfish boils and they leave saints with God. I, I needed to remember that. The life transforming of the gospel, power of the gospel is at work in here and will be at work in you if you give him a chance. I want to encourage you to give him a chance. He's never let anybody down who was faithful to him. You will not be put to shame. Father, we...